The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. Through this entire process, uh, my boys, it was Minnesota and Minnesota only. Um, they didn't care about any of the other uh, opportunities. Obviously, they're big Justin Jefferson fans. So uh, when the uh, when 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 we uh, accepted the the position, there was a lot of gritty going on in my house. Um, and I have my own version of the gritty that you know nobody probably wants to see here. Brian um, <laughs> Flores, new defense coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, introduced yesterday. Side by side with Kevin O'Connell. Great oh. opportunity. Look, the personnel. I mean, unless Flores is going to go out there and play linebacker, I, I, you know, he's limited by the quality of defensive players. Um, so, oh, what the heck? I got, had to turn that off. Somebody's calling. What in the world? All right, sorry. That's one of the problems. Yeah, I love it. It's um, on Zoom, baby, anyway. and he's getting calls. Uh, uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, the personnel is the problem in Minnesota, but, but the defensive system last year, the scheme last year was not good. And I've said this about other teams in the past, Chris, if the offense stays where it was and the defense gets just a little bit better, this is a team that could make it another level or two in the postseason before it all inevitably crashes down on their heads. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great fit. I mean, damn! I think I'm gonna have to start inviting, you know, rooting for your Vikings. I just can't believe that because I'm such a big Brian Flores fan, and of course, I already had respect for them. I'm a big, I like Kevin O'Connell, you know, I, I do. So I think one, you know, it's great. You got two young guys, great energy, both sides of the ball. Kevin O'Connell, even though Flores is very young, just. He's not going to have to worry about him and that side of the ball. He's going to go, wait, I'm going to, you know, head coach, see everything, but really work on the offense. I can trust this guy over here to do his job. And, Mike, you're you're right. The talent's got to improve. But Flores and his scheme and what he does, even if the talent doesn't, doesn't improve, is going to improve that defense. He is more of, you know, the things we talk about. As far as game plan specific, right? And wait, we did this last week, but this week we got to do something else to win the football game. You know, and able to like think outside the box and do what's best for the group he has as far as the talent and what their strengths and weaknesses are. So uh, I, I love the hire. I really do. And I think you got two top notch young minds on both sides of the ball right now. That makes the, the Vikings dangerous for the foreseeable future. And then, like you said, you get a few players on the defensive side of the ball. They get some secondary guys. You know, another big-time interior defensive lineman. They need that badly. I'd sit there and go, oh, the Vikings, watch out. Here they come. And yeah, we'll see what they're able to do in free agency. they got some cap issues. They're going to have to part ways with some of their veteran players. Sounds like. Recognize names. It may be time to move on. 
Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith. They're you know guys who have been foundational players. They're going to have to take dramatic pay cuts, so the Vikings are going to have to move forward without them because they're going to have to pay Justin Jefferson. They got one more year with Kirk Cousins. I guess they could extend his contract again, or they can, you know, commence the process of trying to find someone better. Good luck with that. You almost have to bottom out to even have a chance at finding someone better unless you're willing to make a big trade up into the top ten like the Chiefs did to get Patrick Mahomes. And even then, you know, it wasn't like – he was widely regarded as a can't-miss guy, so you never know where the next great one's going to come from. No. But Kirk Cousins is only going to get you so far, and maybe you put enough of a team around him that he doesn't have to be the one to do the Patrick Mahomes-type things to get you over the top. But they're 40-1, to 1, the Vikings are, for the Super Bowl championship this year. It seems a little low to me, not that I think that they should be the favorites, but 40-1 to 1 seems a little low when you consider what they did last year. But a lot of people look at what they did last year and say it was fluky. They were winning close games. But that's kind of baked into their DNA. Justin yeah. Jefferson told us last week that they, they're confident they can continue to do that, that they know what it takes when you get down to crunch time, how to deliver victory versus ending up with a loss and far more often than not. Well, in every one score game last year, except in the playoffs, yeah. they were able to emerge with the victory. And I think Flores, you know, he was still in it for the Cardinals job, Chris, for the head coaching job. But with a year or two in Minnesota, he could put himself in position where he could go be a head coach somewhere else. Again, that lawsuit is still pending. It's still stuck on the question of whether it's going to be resolved in court or in the NFL's secret rig kangaroo court. It's amazing that that issue, more than a year later, still hasn't been resolved. It just shows you how slowly things can move. At some point, there's going to be evidence developed, deposition testimony. People are going to be questioned under oath. There could be some ruffled feathers. And it's it's good that the Steelers gave him a job last year, that the Vikings gave him a job this year. But a lot of these owners are going to be inclined to turn the cold shoulder to a guy like Brian Flores for being regarded as a troublemaker, even though he's fully within his rights to pursue his rights under federal civil law. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on because that case isn't going anywhere. Even we don't hear much about it right now. At some point, we're going to hear plenty about it. And at some point, it's potentially going to be more of a problem for the NFL, especially if it ends up staying in open court. Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, I, I, I have faith that, you know, even no matter how or where this goes, that there'll be a few owners that will still be able to evaluate it for what it is like you're talking about and go, hey, he's within his rights and I don't blame him for doing this and I'm going to hire him. There, there's enough good owners out there that I think can can you know sift through some of the bull crap that's out there and see it for what it is. He's a hell of a coach. He has been done wrong. We know that, you know. And in Minnesota, I think it's you know one last year. Hey, Pittsburgh's a great spot. This to me, you know, great spot. You got nowhere to go but up really with this defense. So that's a positive. Coaches always like that and. You know, yeah, I think he gets a chance again to show how good of a defensive mind he is and propel himself back into that head coaching conversation. You know, getting back to Justin Jefferson, um, you have to buy him a gift. He wants a PC. How are we working in that department? You know, I mean, offensive player of the year. What's hey, hey, Johnny, rundown. That's that's later in the show. Oh, I Don't didn't you even know. Nah, I didn't look at the rundown. Screw that crap. I just talk football. I just put it in front of me and I talk. And I just, we were on Justin Jefferson and I figured I'd hit it now. <laughs> we're going to talk later about this new habit that we've developed of offering prizes to the people who win our awards and how expensive that's become. But for now, let's pivot to another guy who was a head coach at two different spots in the AFC East. Flores was in Miami. Rex Ryan was with the Jets, then with the Bills. He hasn't coached since, I think, 2016. It's been so long, I can't even remember when we last saw Rex Ryan on the sidelines. Reportedly, he is a top candidate, not the top candidate. We've learned there's a difference. A top candidate to become the defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton. And Rob Ryan, Rex's fraternal but looks identical twin brother was with Peyton in New Orleans and ultimately was fired because it was just a disaster. It didn't work. Now Rex potentially becomes the defensive coordinator. He's been out of the game for a while. I know that system is very complicated, but when it works right, when you have the right personnel, you never know where the blitzes are coming from. It, it gave teams fixed 
Remember what they did in the playoffs to the Patriots in 2010, Chris? Just a few weeks after the Patriots blew them out on a Monday night in the regular season. Embarrassed the Patriots with that defense. There was a great run there early on for Rex Ryan with the Jets. It's just odd that his name is back in circulation. But it's a great spot because, you know, when you're working with Sean Payton as the defensive coordinator, you're basically the head coach of the defense. Yeah. No, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I, I am. I mean, damn. I mean, Sean Payton and Rex Ryan on the same staff, right? I mean, Rex Ryan, yeah, he went through a period that you just mentioned there where he was clearly one of the two or three best defensive minds in the sport. I mean, I was working for New England there in 2012, 2013, and – I mean, damn, breaking down the freaking Jets defense and trying to figure that out, that wasn't easy. I mean, it was not at all. You know, so my big thing is, I, I mean, I think Rex Ryan's amazing, but, but what I just want to make, you know, you got to make sure which one you're going to get. At the end, in New York and into Buffalo, it kind of seemed like he chalked it up a little bit. Like they weren't like, hey, hey, hey we're, we're, it's a blitz or we just drop back in zone. Like they, they lost a little bit of their edge, his, his edge, creativity. You know, some of the great things I saw him do for a few years, you know, when I was on the Tennessee Titans playing that Baltimore Ravens defense in 08 and, and uh, of course, then to the Jets where, you know, it was, it was amazing. It felt like he lost some steam towards the end. In Buffalo especially, where I'd look at the defense and go, man, where's some of the great stuff Rex Ryan used to do? You know, it's lost a little of its creativity. And, of course, hey, natural human emotion, you, you can lose your energy or lose your way schematically for a year or two. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he's revitalized and ready to go. At their best, this would be arguably the scariest, you know, offensive-defensive coach combo in football. So... Uh, I am interested. It's just, you know, where's Rex Ryan at, and is he ready to dig in and, and get after it on that side of the ball? I've never gotten the sense that after being a head coach for as long as he was, he'd be willing to accept a level down. But maybe if he wants back into it, giving up that spot at ESPN. Well, he sees $20 um, million a year with these coaches. He's probably like, damn, maybe I do need to get back in. I think a lot of people are thinking that right now. I think that's why you're seeing TV people and everybody flirt with coaching once again because they're like, damn, I, I could go be a quarterback's coach and in three years be a head coach and make $20, million, $17 million, $15 a year. And I think that's what's getting people back in thinking that. I'd be stunned if Rex Ryan's ever a head coach again. Yeah. I'd be beyond yeah. stunned. Yeah. The question is, does he just want back in the fight? Does he want back in the fray? And I don't know what that job will pay. You know, we've seen some of these owners. I think David Tepper in Carolina is putting some real money on the table to get guys like Ajiro Evero to choose Carolina over Minnesota as defensive coordinator, get Jim Caldwell to do something we didn't think he was going to do. We didn't think he wanted to be anything but a head coach. Now he's going there as a senior assistant on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe Tepper made him an offer he couldn't refuse because there is no salary cap and Tepper's got a ton of money. So maybe maybe Broncos ownership is willing to pay to get Rex Ryan there if he's willing to do it. They also Yeah, this is and interesting. This is, funny, this is funny because back in late December, Shefty suggested that Peyton already had Vic Fangio lined up to be his defense coordinator wherever we went. Well, obviously we know that didn't happen. Fangio is now the Defensive coordinator finally announced by the Miami Dolphins after a few weeks of wondering whether or not he was going to go somewhere else. And very late in the process, there was a question of whether he would just stay in Philadelphia, where he was a consultant for the two weeks before the Super Bowl. Now that Jonathan Gannon's gone and just become the coordinator there. And I wouldn't be shocked if there was at least a thought or a conversation about it, but he's in Miami. But another former Broncos coach could be joining Peyton. This one surprised me. Mike Kliss of Nine News in Denver reports that the Broncos have requested permission to interview Vance Joseph, the Cardinals defensive coordinator. He was the Broncos head coach for two years. Jonathan Gannon is a defensive guy, presumably doesn't need Vance Joseph, Chris. This would be a surprise, and it's not unprecedented. Gunther Cunningham did it. I think one other coach did it as well. Head coach comes back as a member of the staff under a different head coach. That's what Vance Joseph would doing would be doing. If he wants to get he's got a better chance, I think, of getting back in than Rex Ryan. If he gets to Denver with that great defense, they pair it up with a great offense, they make some noise, and then Joseph, who was in the mix and in the conversation kind of 
to get considered this year. I think next year, as soon as next year, he could be back in it. I'm I'm a big Vance Joseph fan, so uh, you know, and and I, it makes a lot of sense. And if Sean Payton's looking at Rex Ryan, Vance Joseph, he's he's kind of that way. That way, I mean, he's he's his defenses are extremely creative. They do a lot of stuff on the ball, and to me, that's where the way you got to play. As we saw, you know, in the Super Bowl, you, you you there's the day and age of like, hey, this is what we do. We're gonna play simple defense and be sound, so we can play fast. You have to have like a really special group of talent to pull that off, and I, I think those days are kind of few and far between. You need guys that think outside the box. With the salary cap, every team is orchestrated in such a different way on the offensive side of the ball. you got to have a defensive coach who can go, wait, this week it's a power running team. i got to come up with a game plan for that. Wait, this week they spread it out and are in the shocking a lot. Now i got to do that. And that's, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I understand it. I, I think Vance Joseph is head coach material. He's a great defensive coordinator. I don't think he got necessarily the, the fairest of shakes there. You know, in Denver, when he was the head coach, the quarterback situation was messed up. The team itself, they didn't spend a lot of money on great free agents or all of that. So he'd, he would be a guy that I would like to see go with Sean Payton, kind of revitalize, jumpstart his stock in the, the coaching world and become a head coach at one point. I think he's, he's damn top-notch, and his scheme fits what Denver has, you know, as far as players and, and scheme match there. There definitely is some organizational regret that back when they hired Vance Joseph in 2017, they didn't hire another guy who was available to be hired as the head coach who ended up in San Francisco instead. Well, yeah, kind of- that's right. Well, that you know, again, yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about there. It's an interesting conversation in itself. Elway was running the team. I don't know. You know, did he want a Shanahan who he's already dealt with one Shanahan and now he's got another one? And you know, you wonder whether, hey, whoa, it's it's a Shanahan and he's back and coaching the same team his dad did. Can he handle that pressure? That's going to be a weird thing. I get it, but yeah, I'm sure they're, you know. I'm sure they've had some second guessers out there because there's no doubt that Kyle Shanahan's one of the best coaches in football. That's you can't even argue that. And you mentioned the approach that Vance Joseph would take to that defense. And just the yeah, you, know, you have to be ready for whatever the offense is going to throw at you. To circle back to Brian Flores, he confirmed that the base defense in Minnesota is going to be a three four, yeah. but it's going to be driven by the opponent. Right. And they're going to do whatever they have to do to match up with what the defense needs to do to face the offense on the other side. And I didn't sense a lot of that this year with the Ed Donatello no. approach. It was what it was, right. and there were holes in it, and there were plenty of teams that knew how to take advantage of those holes, especially by the time we got to the postseason yes. when you had 17 games of film to break down. Yeah, that's right, and the G-men came to town. But you're exactly right. It just became too simple. Didn't matter what the scheme was, who they were playing that week. You kind of knew what to expect from Minnesota. They never put pressure on you on the defensive side of the ball. You know, playing quarterback against Minnesota was like, hey, okay, I'm walking in the line of scrimmage. Hey, it's cover two. Okay, they're going to rush four. Said Hut. Okay, it's still cover two. Oh, okay, I called the cover two play in the huddle. This is perfect. Boom. I got a great quarterback rating. You just you can't play that way anymore. That, that, that time has, you know, come and gone. And I think with the three coordinators we're talking about here, you know, Vance Joseph, Rex Ryan, uh, Flores, or even four, Vic Fangio, they do the things you're talking about. Uh, the, this, yeah, three, four based, but we got to do whatever the hell we got to do this week to get it done to beat this football team, and they're they're you know very capable of doing that. When you did your G-men thing, I had a flashback to standing with you on the sideline in the pregame show for Jaguars Chiefs, and you were FaceTiming with your son. I told him to get a haircut, and his response without missing a beat was. What happened to the Vikings? <laughs> yeah, he's a Sims. That means he could he could shots fired in a hurry. He's quick on his toes. He did get a haircut. He got a haircut the other wow. day, Mike. It's wow. horrible. It went from like the worst hair you could ever see to like the second worst hair you could ever see. This style of these kids right now with like the hair behind this big thing of hair and it runs in front of their face. Oh my gosh, it's so ugly and horrible i can't believe it uh but that's the way my son looks right now you're officially old i am, when you're comp- <laughs> I am. You're, there, you're officially 
an old man. Uh, all right, it's been an old story now. It's been six weeks, five weeks since the regular season ended. Super Bowl's over. All five jobs are filled. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Let's take a look back at the hiring cycle for 2023. Panthers, Texans, Broncos, Colts, and Cardinals, they have made their hires. Which team do you think made the best head coaching hire of those five individuals who'll be taking over those five teams. Wow. Gosh. I, you know, I, I don't look at any of them and think they're bad. I don't. You know, the, the horrible thing, this is where it's tough. Dude, yeah, there was candidates out there that deserve another chance that got screwed over in their first chance, but I can't sit here and look at any of these guys and go, they don't deserve to be a head coach. Man, there's, there's some real you know, perfect match with what the team needs right at this moment, right? Carolina, it's quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. All right, well, you got an ex-NFL quarterback who, you know, played with some legends and understand he's going to find that guy, you know? So there's there's a lot of, I feel like, matches that make sense between the organization and the head coach. But it's hard not to just focus in on, you know, Sean Payton. That, to me... You know, when all said and done, I don't know if he was their top choice, but thank God it worked out that way because now it's going to save the investment of Russell Wilson, and he's going to turn around this organization. I just have no doubt about this. This is one of the great coaches of this era. So I like them all. I really do. Um, but, but yeah, Sean Payton, I think, takes the cake just because of his background and kind of the, 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 the obstacles he has in front of him. I, I have the most faith in him. I mean, we know that two or three of them are going to fail. That's just the way it goes. Peyton is the one who's the most accomplished. He's the most proven. And we both believe in his eye for detail, his attention to detail, the work ethic, the fact that he constantly pushes to try to find a way to get ahead of the team that he's playing that weekend. And it's a constant struggle. We explained that to us last week. It was mesmerizing the way he was explaining the things he does to try to gain that edge and the the breadth of the net that he casts looking for ideas. We told the story about the play card that he sent me after I was expressing to him amazement at just this idea that you can spend as much time as you want. You can stay up all night. You're only limited by the fact that the game starts when the game starts. You otherwise can work and grind and look at film of them, of you, and of anyone. And that's one of the things he does. He looks elsewhere. He found that play from Patriots Bears that he thought would work in a Sunday night game against the Vikings. He drew it up. He dropped it in the mail, used it in the game, and scored a touchdown with it on a little jet motion touch pass against the Vikings defense that he knew based upon the system that Mike Zimmer ran, it would work. And it did work. So that's what he's always looking for. And that's why I think he's going to be a difference maker for the Broncos. And whatever Russell Wilson currently is, Chris, whatever he has left physically, Peyton is going to get the most out of it. And Peyton has the best of both worlds here. He's either going to be the hero for turning around Russell Wilson, or if Russell Wilson doesn't turn it around, it's not Peyton's fault. Yeah, it's you're right fault. about that. You're Got right. Great building excuse if Wilson stinks. No one is going to blame Peyton if Wilson can't get it done because it's the second straight year that Wilson wouldn't have gotten it done. I'm with you there. I agreed there. There, there, there. It is a nice little cushion for him. All right, so wait. We both agree on Sean Payton, but like, all right, so who's next? Who's the guy you look at? They go, okay, I, you know, I don't think any either one of us look at it, these guys and go, oh, that's a bad hire or anything. But who's the guy that, other than Sean Payton, you're most excited to kind of see what they do or what they can be? Well, look, I'm not going to say bad hire, good hire. What I'm going to say is this. For three of these guys, we just don't know. They are stepping into a job they've never done before. We don't know that they have the skills necessary to parlay being effective coordinator into effective head coach. It's not just X's and O's now. It's everything. You have to be able to lead. You have to be able to motivate. You have to be able to talk to the whole room effectively. You have to be able to communicate with the individual players effectively. You've got to deal with the media effectively. Far different from anything you've ever done. So between D'Amico, Ryan, Shane Steichen, and Jonathan Gannon, will they be another Nathaniel Hackett? Or will they be the guy who steps into that job and gets it done? We know that you know it's a, all the great coaches at some point we're coordinators. You know, every once in a while you find a college coach who comes to the NFL and hasn't been an assistant and does well. It doesn't happen very often. Jimmy Johnson's the last one I can think of, and I can't remember 
much about his resume pre-Cowboys, but he was established college coach who figured out the NFL game without having been, I think, a coordinator. I don't know. Again, it was before I was covering the NFL, and I just don't remember if I ever even knew what his background was. But most of these guys who become great coaches, one of the boxes they've checked along the way is be an effective coordinator. We just don't know whether that's going to make them good head coach until they do it. So I'd say Reich then, because he's been a head coach, he's shown he can do the job. And Frank Reich, with Andrew Luck, got them to the divisional round in Kansas City 2018. And then Luck retired, and they got thrust into this revolving door of veteran quarterback, and it just didn't work out. And Jim Irsay got got, uh, impatient. I still think there was some lingering blaming of Frank Reich for Carson Wentz. Yeah, right. I frankly think that Ursay wanted to fire Reich after the 21 season and hire Jeff Saturday then, and he was talked out of it, and then just help himself halfway through the 22 season and just said, that's it for Frank Reich. Let's try this again. So I think Reich, you get him a quarterback that he can work with, that he can count on and again i don't mean that in a pejorative way toward andrew luck if you're not ready to play football for whatever reason physically mentally emotionally spiritually whatever you shouldn't be playing but it 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 caused frank reich to be dealt a rough hand if he gets dealt a better hand at quarterback in carolina he could have a better outcome agreed i mean i'm with you there like you said it right i mean of course peyton's the the guy that's proven himself frank reich's proven himself to a degree and you know, yeah, he had the, the deck stacked against him a few times, too. And I don't think he really necessarily deserved to be fired this year. I don't. So I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I, I'm excited for all of them. You know, D'Amico Ryan's going to bring great energy to that organization and get them back going in the right direction, get that defense team playing fast. they got to get the quarterback situation figured out, too. Right? Jonathan Gannon saw big adjustments from him in just one year as a D coordinator. Simple as hell in year one in Philadelphia, year two kind of doing everything. Uh, Shane Steichen's the guy I'm, I'm probably out of the, the newcomers the most excited to see. Just because, hey, I'm a quarterback, and as I said yesterday, had my eye on his offense here for the last few years. I think it's one of the better, most well-orchestrated offenses in football. And again, an outside-the-box thinker. But, you know, to your point, there's no... There's no guarantee that you're a great coordinator and you're going to be a great head coach. I mean, we've talked about, you know, Vic Fangio. He's going to be one of the greatest coordinators of all time. Head coach, you know, wasn't the best. And the guy we saw win the Super Bowl this weekend, Steve Spagnolo, is one of the greatest D coordinators in the history of the game, period. I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's three Super Bowl unbelievable defensive game plans you know, to win it, all right? But it didn't necessarily translate to him either, so we'll see what happens with this group, but certainly some potential. And he was 7-10 and 10 in his second year with the Rams, 1-15 his first year, 2-14 and 14 his third year, and then got fired. And as I said the other day, that Rams team, I believe, may have been more concerned about laying the foundation to leave for L.A. than to win a Super Bowl or to be as good as they could be. And sometimes a coach gets caught up in the gears of an agenda other than – building and sustaining the best possible team and having the best possible record. Let's go ahead and take a break. Sources close to me tell me there is a chance, a chance, not making any guarantees, but there's a chance when we return. My microphone, which is still here, it's just a prop, doesn't mean anything right now on Zoom. But when we return, there's a chance it will be working. Find out next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. 
for the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. Coach of the Year, we've developed a thing where I asked the coach, what do you want? And I sent it. So what do you want? I'll send you whatever you want for Comeback Player of the Year. That's why I say I may regret it, because God knows what he's going to ask for. What do you want? Bottle of wine, bottle of scotch. He's rich, okay? I need a new putter, because I'm going to get into golf this year. What kind of putter? Whatever the best one is. I don't know enough about golf, but a putter, I will love you forever. We give out our own awards at PFT. Really? See, he didn't know. know. (laughs) He didn't know. I did. You, you, you are we my website. <laughs> You're our offensive player of the year. Oh, so yeah. we've kind of started that. a thing, even though this is going to get expensive very quickly. <laughs> Make this count, man. No, no. no. I Make mean, don't. it I count. I for a car or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> but as much as you car, can, push the limit here. I'm a... I'm a I'm a PC gamer, man. I'm going to need me a PC, dog. Oh, need, what do you need? need? A new PC. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, those, you're finding out those those PCs aren't they're not real cheap, are they, Mike? Those PCs. By the way, by the way, <laughs> yeah, I'm back. I'm back, baby. An hey. hour and 24 minutes into the program, we got the microphone working thanks to the hard work of everyone there because apparently it was an issue and it was a problem. And at some point, I thought I was going to have to go into the back room that I have here and start like pulling out things and pushing them back in and hoping for the best. But it's all worked out well. Okay, so this hasn't worked out well. The story, I wrote this yesterday. This is how it all started. We've alluded to this from time to time. 2021, Mike Vrabel is coach of the year. I have Mike Vrabel's number, so I just texted him the link to the story that he's the coach of the year. I just thought, you know, maybe you'd want to know. I mean, he deserved it. He earned it. And his response was, is there any sort of a prize? <laughs> and I did the old, you know, David Letterman had this thing that he would just mention canned ham. Whenever, like, they're giving away a canned ham. And so I said, you get a canned ham. He said, actually, I like honey-baked ham. So I said, fine. I mean, I sent him a honey-baked ham. It was like 90 bucks. I, he wanted a honey-baked ham. They sent it wrapped in foil. I sent it to him. He appreciated it. And it was kind of a funny thing. So fast forward to this year. Brian Dayball wins Coach of the Year. I know him. And I texted him, look, you know, we kind of started a thing with Coach of the Year gets a ham. But I also know you like cigars. If you prefer cigars, I'll send you a box of cigars, or I'll send you the ham. It's up to you. He chose the cigars, even though when I told Vrabel about it, Vrabel's response was, I know he likes ham, but he chose the cigars. (laughs) I love it. So, so, So he gets a box of cigars, which was about three times the cost of the ham. Not complaining. It was a gesture. You know, we don't have trophies. We don't have any expenses. I mean, it's it's recognition. We give out these prizes, and it's just words. So right? how about the putter? Yeah, What's, so. How are we doing in the putter department? The the putter is arriving Friday or Saturday. It is a Scotty Cameron Special Select Newport 2 putter, which, based upon my research, is the best putter out there. Wow. And it was $400. So. Yes. So, and Christian McCaffrey's making $16 million a year, but that's fine. That's fine. These are the ultimate first world problems when you have to buy something for somebody who's really rich and can buy it himself because he wins the prize. He's the PFT Comeback Player of the Year. If it has any meaning, there has to be a prize. So he gets his putter, and he said he'll love me forever, and I have that going for me, which is nice. Yes. So now, here we go. Now, I remember. And I don't know if this was on the air or not, because I don't know what PC gamers are. I got a PS5. I don't I don't have a PC for gaming purposes. Right. I had no idea what to get. Justin Jefferson said, oh, I'll text you the details. So after he left, I thought, well, how's he going to text me the details? He didn't know my number. So I know his agent. And I said, hey, here's what happened last week. And I don't know if he was kidding when he said he wants this gaming PC. And the response was, He's dead serious. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. So, so I I said, well, get me the specs. Yeah. So I have been sent a link to a PC. Yeah. I yeah. That 
I got it's a more kid. expensive I got a than the than the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the other three gifts combined. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm talking a few thousand dollars here, right? Uh, a few thousand. It's dollars. It's twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twenty five. Twenty four ninety nine. Right. You know they they take that one dollar off to make it seem Ooh. cheaper. Oh, it's not twenty five hundred. Yeah. It's twenty four ninety nine. But uh, I, I look. I wrote the check, and now it's time to honor it. Uh, we were having fun, and. And again, I, I should just have trophies made because be if I took the twenty five hundred for the PC, the four hundred for the putter, three ninety nine, the two fifty for the cigars, and the ninety bucks for the ham, and you add it all up, you could probably buy a lot of trophies yeah. with that. Nice trophies too. Right. You could probably hire a sculptor and commission some sort, you know, for that kind of. You get a really great looking trophy that look good on the mantle. Maybe that's what I'll do next year. So now, Chris. I got to worry about Brock Purdy, Sauce Gardner, Patrick Mahomes, Howie Roseman, yeah. Nick Bosa, uh-huh. all saying, where's mine? Uh-huh. Well, I'm, no, I mean, as you were saying this, I was going to go, what, what about the other guys? And as you were saying it, I was going, I think I need to reach out to these guys to make sure they ask you for a gift. We got we to hammer don't. it home. They don't. You know, Chateau de Florio. Might have to wait on that new addition to the house or your new safe room or whatever the hell you got else in that chateau over there. So I first of all, first of all, (laughs) first of all, let me just say this. We'll be fine. Second of all, don't (laughs) you dare tell anybody (laughs) to reach out and say, I'm like freaking Santa Claus now. Just come sit on Santa's lap and tell him what you want for Christmas. Whatever you want, little Jimmy, you get. What a dumbass I was. You are a dumbass. I won't disagree. Yep, you're a dumbass. Okay, we agree on something there. That's right. But, yeah, I might have to call Shanahan, text him, and make sure Bosa reaches out to you. Uh, Bosa is probably going to want, like, a new gym set. You're going to want new dumbbells and new bench press and stuff and put you in the hole for that, something good. I, I think I got I might have to instigate here. I'm kind of a good instigator. I think this might be one I'm actually motivated to start up again. I think I think the rule is going to be that you're only eligible for the prize if you are in my contacts on my phone so I can reach <laughs> out to you directly or if you're on PFT Live during Super Bowl week in the cycle after you've won the award. I think that's a fair limitation. Okay. okay. Now, all that said, all that said, I do owe Howie Roseman something because I could text him and say, hey, Howie, you won this thing. What do you want? Maybe he won't be greedy. But then again, I don't know. Maybe he wants a Super Bowl ring since he, you know, just <laughs> yeah. had one taken from him. Yeah, yeah, right. I know. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, Howie will probably see him at the combine, right? He's usually great with his time and sits with us and yeah, 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 is very. Yeah. And just, I'm sure you won't mention it at all. Oh, no, not me, not at all. Right? Yeah, I'm, oh, I got to make sure fair is fair here. You know, I just want to make sure the guys get what they want to, you know, what they're supposed to get from PFT. It's all a write-off. It all comes out of the business. But again, I'm the one that gets the money from the business, so it really comes out of my pocket too. But it's fine. I actually kind of enjoy it. I just don't want it to – it's like going up exponentially. It started at 90, and now it's at 2,500. I'm hoping to move it back in the other direction. All right, we did a mailbag based upon the looming quarterback carousel. We got some questions that we're going to answer from C. Pruenka. If you were the GM of a quarterback needy team, is Aaron Rodgers your first choice, or is he too risky with the possibility of retiring every off season? And let me start there. Yeah. My problem is, what do I give the Packers for a guy that may only play for one year? What do I give the Packers for a guy who, for all I know, is going to go take ayahuasca next month and decide, you know what, I'm going to retire after all, after I've given up draft pick compensation to get him on my team? Yeah, I I think that's the big problem. Exactly right. Uh, That's what would scare me. And I think it's got to be kind of exactly the right situation. So... You know, yeah, he's your first choice because I think out of the guys that are available and at their best, Aaron Rodgers, even, you know, at this point, I'm just going to say is the best. But 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 I am going into my first offseason ever with Aaron Rodgers. And again, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that I'd like to remind everybody, like I, I have the same thought about him as you've been talking about with Patrick Mahomes. At his best, I don't know if there was anybody better ever. I mean, he's, it was like... Mahomes, he just doesn't have quite the hardware. I understand, does have some of the hardware, you know, but not not as much. But 
I, it's the first offseason I've gone in to go, I don't know what to expect from Aaron Rodgers, the player, as much anymore. Legend, one of the all-time greats, but like as we discussed during the year, a reluctance to hang in there, a reluctance to put the ball into tight windows, you know, a, luck, a reluctance to be aggressive anymore and just go get the win and not worry about other things. That That would worry me, Mike. So that's where – you got to do a deep dive and talk to him and really see where he's at and is he willing to go all in to get it. And th- there's been so much talk about him possibly joining the Jets yeah. now that Nathaniel Hackett is right. there as the offensive coordinator. We thought he would go to Denver last year if he left Green Bay, and I think he seriously considered it. Tiki Barber, who knows a thing or two about playing football in the New York market on his WFAN show yesterday expressed his views on the possibility that Rodgers is a little too sensitive to make it in New York with all the media scrutiny. Have a listen to what Tiki had to say. Reading the full quotes, I mean, you heard the snippets, but as I'm reading the full quotes from his Pat McAfee um, uh, weekly appearance, Talking about Schefter, talking about Rappaport, basically saying I've been nobody knows what's going on with me except for me, and stop talking about me. It just made me start to realize that if he is that sensitive, that he gets upset that people, reporters, opinion makers, uh, influencers, whoever want to talk about him, he is going to struggle in New York. And I don't know if it's the right fit for him. I don't know if I want him in New York, if this is going to be his reaction. Yeah, look, that is the reality. He doesn't want people talking about him. Well, they're going to talk about him in New York. And I guarantee you this, Chris. First question, not first question, but one of the questions at the press conference, if he becomes a member of the Jets, someone's going to say, you were on Pat McAfee's show a few weeks ago saying that you think you're vilified by media who is in the pocket of Big Pharma, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. Is it not hypocritical for you to come take a paycheck from Johnson & Johnson heir Woody Johnson? Please answer the question. Green Bay media is never going to ask him that. I don't know that any other media covering any other team is going to ask him that except the Giants because it's also New York. I guarantee you somebody covering the Jets who has a credential for that press conference is asking that question, and Rodgers isn't going to appreciate no it. No doubt it happens, about it. If it ever happens. I, agree. I mean, agreed. It's the million-dollar question. I think that's what we all wonder, you know. I mean, we wondered whether that was, a, you know, he could handle some of those obstacles in other cities last year, let alone New York. Yeah, it's a tough one. You're definitely you're you're going to be scrutinized about everything, and, and in here in New York, Tiki and Tierney who do a great job. I mean, you know, Tiki Barber's spot on, Brandon Tier- Tierney are spot on. Like it, it, sports, first off, WFAN, as you know, Mike, Mike and the Mad Dog, the, that runs the sports conversation up here in the New York area, and you're going to have callers calling in going. What the hell is Rogers talking about with big pharma? Nah, 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 nah. And then, of course, the beat writers hear that, so they want to answer the question because they know the fans are clamoring away about that. And it's going to go down a whole bunch of other wormholes because Rogers always does, right? So that's where it's scary. You know, I love Rogers that way, that he's willing to be open that way. But yeah, I don't know if he's ever had a deal or if he can deal with what it is up here in New York. We've seen a lot of. We've seen a lot of great sports stars come up here to New York, and they just can't handle the heat in the kitchen. I mean, a lot. Baseball, basketball, football, whatever the sport is, where you go, oh, man, they got their guy, and you're like a year goes by, and you're going, what the hell? Why isn't this guy the same? Yeah, it's because it's a spotlight on you everywhere you go up here, and we're all crammed in one area, and it's freaking 30 million people in an area you know, that's it's not that big. Um, so I, I question that too, Mike. I really do. And at the end of the day, I think that's why I don't think, I don't think it'll happen. I, I don't know. I, I just, but I don't feel that it's going to be in Rogers DNA to make that kind of move. I think at the end of the day, he's going to stay exactly where he is. Right. I think he's going back to Green Bay. I agree, too much Mike. money to walk away from. And I don't think he's going to want to uproot his professional life and start over again somewhere else and have this expectation. People asking him tough questions about why aren't you at offseason workouts? Why aren't you gathering your receivers somewhere in the offseason like Patrick Mahomes did last year to get to know his guys better and get yourself in a position where you can be better 
faster instead of having everything kick in in November. Let's have it kick in in September if you're more engaged. He'll get tougher questions, far tougher, tougher questions than he'll ever experience in his life if he's in a market like New York. Tad Funderman wants to know if we think there could be any quarterback trades or teams in on quarterbacks that might surprise us last, uh, this year, much like last year when the Falcons all of a sudden were in on Deshaun Watson to the point where, I don't know what this is, to the point, oh, I don't know what. The, it's just I, a picture I, of the Packers. Sorry. We just wanted to show it. Hey, it's, there's yeah. Green all Bay. Right. <laughs> all right, there we go. There's Green Bay. But uh, last year, the Falcons got in on Deshaun Watson and screwed up their relationship with Matt Ryan. So do you think there's a team out there that may – try to get in for a trade or get in for a veteran, even though they seem to be set at the position, Chris? There's all right, one, and, and again, they, you know, these are spontaneous, right? There's no preparation here. The one that is still percolating in my brain is Lamar Jackson. It is. It's, it's still I, – I, I'm not sold that that's going to all work out fine and dandy there in Baltimore. I got no inside information to think that. You know, I, you know, I have heard, you know, and, and, and through the grapevine, you know, that, yeah, the, the contract is hard to hit, figure out details with Lamar Jackson and his camp, right? You know, there's maybe some reluctance to the guaranteed monies and all that uh, that's going to be associated with this contract. But that's the one that I look at to be, other than Rodgers, that I think maybe a chance. And that's where, you know, I know we brought up Miami. I don't know if that's really going to happen. It seems like it's Tua. But I do think of like, just, I said this last week, Michael, or maybe it was the week before, Lamar to the Atlanta Falcons, the way they want to play football. It would suit him, that offensive line. They want to play run first, right? Atlanta being a primarily the, the biggest African-American city in our country, right? They drive the sports base there a little bit. Black quarterback. There's just so many things that make sense that I think, you know, but but can they work that out? Can that really happen? I don't know. I don't know if this is wishful thinking on my part, and I understand that there is a danger in being careful what you wish for. And I know he has a full no-trade clause. Every franchise quarterback has a de facto no-trade clause because no one's trading for a guy that doesn't want to be there. But what if the Vikings decide to upgrade over Kirk Cousins. What if they do, what if they would decide to get in Lamar Jackson? You trade Kirk Cousins to the 49ers or somewhere and you go get Lamar Jackson and you sign him to a 5-year fully guaranteed contract even if it means giving up a pair of first round picks to get him. They're drafting low enough this year and they'll draft low enough next year with Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't I just you know, you got to pay Justin Jefferson too, so there's a point where it doesn't make sense, but I I just for the teams that have the guy who is just good enough, is it just good enough to be just good enough, or do you want to try to get somebody great? Lamar Jackson in Minnesota, and again, I don't know that it would work with Justin Jefferson there. I don't know that it would work, but I have to think that maybe they're at least pondering. And I, I think back to the comments from Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the Vikings GM before the season, basically acknowledging the reality that you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you don't, you don't have Josh Allen. It's just the way it is. You got to make it work with what you have. Is there an opportunity to get Lamar Jackson in Minnesota? And uh, I don't think the Vikings would think twice about it if they thought it would make them. Uh, I don't know. I think they would think twice about it because. Yeah, there's some things. I, here. I wonder whether for ownership, for ownership is being good enough acceptable. Do they really want to take the chance of going all in, especially if. It undermines with the passing offense. If you're not getting the ball to Justin Jefferson as much as he wants it, and then you got to pay him. So, again, this is part of having no preparation. We're preparing on the fly. But I have been thinking, is there some alternative for the Vikings well, other than Kirk Cousins? And I'm not sure that there is. Yeah, I don't know if there is either. You know, But, hey, you know, the other thing, too, Mike, we got to squash is, like, Lamar Jackson could throw the ball. we got to stop this, like, you know – Oh, I don't know if this like what? I mean, it's the offense. It's the it's offense. The offense. It's they need to him. put some talent around. He's a better thrower than Jalen Hurts. I mean, all day, every day, any day. You know, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest O line in football and the best duo of receivers in football and a really top five pass catching tight end around him. He never had that. You know, that's where I'm, you know again it, it, that that story's gone. If you're still like people still bring that up, like it's over. If they get a big-time receiver in Baltimore with him and have that running game, that receiver's going to put up big numbers. He is. So, 
I know. But, yeah, the rest of that stuff, you're right, Mike. I don't know if it can really feasibly happen or whatever. But, man, I am I'm popcorn ready for this Lamar Jackson offseason. What the hell is going to happen here? Maybe in exchange for that $2,500 gaming PC, I can get a candid answer from Justin Jefferson as to whether or not he'd be comfortable with Lamar Jackson. Probably not, though. Although I will say this. When I was making my little cracks about Kirk last week, Justin was laughing just a little bit too much. <laughs> like, these remarks are hitting the bullseye a little bit too well. You know that, you know, when something, like if you're watching a comedian and, and they're really onto something that really has a lot of truth to it. It's even funnier. Yeah. That's kind of how Justin was reacting. So who knows? I'm not trying to stir up trouble. <laughs> yeah, Maybe you I are. am. We'll take a break. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll answer some more questions when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, we got a few more mailbag questions we can get to relating to the looming quarterback carousel. One guy who may not end up on a new team after the carousel spins is Daniel Jones, how he could sign a new contract with the Giants at any time. Mr. Palmerson wants us to discuss the Daniel Jones situation. What are the realistic expectations for his contract? What's the likelihood another team would be interested in him? I don't think it gets to that because I think he gets franchise tagged if they don't work out a deal, Chris. And I don't think a team would give up two first-round picks for him. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. I don't think he gets to that. I think they're going to work something out and he's going to stay put. Do you? Agree. What do you think he's going to get? I'm with you in that. And, you know, I I mean, that's the the question is what is he going to get? I think the Giants, of course, are sold on Daniel Jones. We saw this year just a little help. And damn, I mean, he's a great runner and he's a damn good thrower in the pocket. But, you know, Mike, where is that magic number? I mean, I would think, again, it's just for the current rate of quarterbacks, he's going to be dancing around that $40 million a year number. I would think that's kind of where it is, maybe high 30s, right? Maybe it's more than that for the first two or three years of the contract, and there's some fake numbers at the end. And like we discussed, I think, you know, maybe about a month ago, I look at this to be that kind of deal where – you know, yeah, big money, but the Giants maybe can get out of it after two years, you know, because you're not like maybe a hundred percent sold, or his career up to this point hasn't been what we wanted. I kind of that's the way I envision it, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that he showed enough last year that you continue to play it out, see how good he can get. Maybe he can morph into somebody almost as good as Josh Allen. We've seen some of those traits in Brian Dayball the new coach of the Giants one year in showing that he's able to do with Jones what he was able to do as offensive coordinator of the Bills with Josh Allen. One more pun master Rifkin. Do the Colts hold on to Matt Ryan and keep him as a mentor to a rookie or is there a team that will trade for him? Matt Ryan's getting cut. I'm yeah. looking at his contract. They have to. He's getting cut. It's why they it's why they benched him right. under Frank Reich. The original decision was Matt Ryan goes into bubble wrap at Sam Ellinger the rest of the year because another seventeen million in injury guarantees would have become unavoidable if he'd been injured and unable to pass a physical by the middle of March. That's why they did it. And at one point, Jim Irsay was disingenuous, frankly, all due respect, in his effort to explain away the Ryan situation. Oh, he said there's no incentives in his contract or that would have cost them more money. No, the issue is injury guarantees that become full guarantees in the middle of March. And if he's injured and can't pass a physical, it becomes a full guarantee. You can't avoid that guarantee if he suffers some sort of sprain or fracture or whatever down the stretch of a lost season. So I think he's gone. They're still going to owe him a nice chunk of money. I think $12 million anyway guaranteed that would be offset by whatever he gets elsewhere. And he said that, that he'd like to keep playing. I saw that. But he's not going to retire. He's not going to retire because if you retire, you don't get the money. You have to have the Colts cut you. All right, we got to take a break. When we return... This is something that we've discussed and debated, whether even to have this discussion and debate. But we're going to dust off our opposing views on what I think is the worst rule in football. Chris obviously does not. The XFL and the USFL have changed it. Should the NFL follow suit? We'll discuss that next year on PSU. We should never follow the XFL or the USFL. All right, the... XFL, third version, returns 
this weekend. Starting right up, no break. Interesting experiment. Another interesting experiment. Both the XFL and the USFL have changed the rule that I have long regarded as the worst in football. If you fumble the ball... And if it goes out of bounds at the one-inch line, offense gets possession at the spot of the fumble. But if it dares to cross into that goal line, if it touches the pylon, the defense not only gets the ball, they get it at the 20. I hate that rule. It makes no sense. And I guarantee you this, if it's ever applied in a Super Bowl when 120 million people are watching, that's when the rule will change. Until then, it stays on the NFL's books. They have no cause to change it. There's no groundswell to change it because it's never really been applied in a huge spot where people would say, what the hell are we doing? I know you disagree with me. I, uh, I that's do. That's my position. I think it's very nothing consistent. Nothing you say yeah, I know. Ever change my I mind. know. I think it's very consistent with the rules of football, and, and I like it. I do. You know, you know, we've seen it in some big moments. And again, just because 120, you know, 80 million think that that wasn't holding. They want the game to change the rules and holding against Juju Smith-Schuster. No, it was holding twice different. on the same play. Different. Well, I'm different. just saying we can't always different. listen to the masses. That's all I'm saying. They don't know crap that's sometimes. That's different, though. Okay. But yeah, that's a straw man. Right. That's not that's – not, the question is whether the rule's good, not whether or not the rule's I, I think the rule's is fine. The rule good? And just because it's a, the mass and numbers think it's not doesn't mean they're right. There does, 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 that means nothing. That's all I'm saying. So I think yours is straw man. Okay? What's your reasoning then, for it? You're just spinning in circles. What's your re- why, why do you think it's a good rule? Okay. Well, first off, all right, you fumble at the five-yard line and the ball rolls out of the five-yard line. It's the field to play. There's, there's no ownership. The end zone is the only part of the field that there's ownership of. That's the only, it's why you get rewarded if you control the ball. You get six free points when you cross that line. But now you lost a ball that nobody controls in the only part of the field where there is ownership of that area to a team. Nobody recovered the ball in that area that the other team owns, and it went out in their territory. It's the only part of the field that's actually yours, that team, right? And that's where I think it's very consistent with anything that goes on in football that way. So what are we just going to have guys just you know reach out and just who cares about the ball and, oh, I fumbled and made a mistake, but, oh, I'm, I'm an offensive player. I want the ball back right there where I had it before. That, I, that's where I don't buy that. I don't, I don't think that's good. It's amazing to me that Derek Carr did it once. <laughs> he did it twice. twice. Right. Most guys learn it and never do it again. And it was that same kind of the Browns. control Right, the ball falls out of bounds. It's it's a shame. It happened to the Browns in a playoff game yeah. against the Chiefs. Yeah, but you know what? When Mahomes does it, when Mahomes does it, it's full control of the football, and there's never a chance it's going to happen. I, I, I just I, I think it's unfair to give the defense the ball at the twenty. Maybe if you give them the ball at the spot of the fumble, okay. Why do you give them the ball at the twenty? I don't like it. Once upon a time, for incomplete passes that landed in the end zone. That went to the defense as a touchback, an incomplete pass if the ball hit the end zone. So that's your theory, the idea that this is some sacred territory that the defense is guarding. And if something like that happens, the defense has secured some sort of a victory. It just, I, I, I still don't like it. I'm not going to change my mind. And the USFL and the XFL are going to do it. Do they play enough games for it to even matter? That's the other side of it, too. Is it even going to be applied at any point? And who cares if it does? It's only going to be an issue if it ever happens in a Super Bowl, and that's when a lot of people are going to be saying, what the hell did we just see? Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live. You lose the ball in North Korea, North Korea keeps the ball. The season is over. We've broken down the Super Bowl every way we possibly can. Typically, next week is a week that doesn't entail a lot of news. Chris has a habit of going out of the country the week after the week following the Super Bowl. Last week, I took that week off, too, just because I was fried after L.A. I could still keep going, but we've decided to shut down the show for a week. There will be PFTPM as needed. I don't think I'm going out of town. Chris, where are you, where are you, are you going to North Korea to experiment with the fumble rule? <laughs> yeah, no, I won't be going there. Not a top vacation destination right there. But I am going to... Make my way down to the Caribbean. I am going down there with the family on Sunday. Going to take a few days off, you know, see some crystal clear water and some sunshine. I'm really excited about that. 
Well, anybody who may be in the Caribbean, if you see a giant man who is extremely pale, it wasn't like an invasion or close encounters or anything like that. It's Chris Sims. Say hello. That's right. And uh, don't don't drop the football in his end zone. (laughs) I'll see you. Back when we're back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 